What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Johnny Maylar. So in my NFL Week 1 preview, I thought the Giants would beat the Cowboys. That was a big prediction of mine. I thought the Giants' offensive line would show up. I thought the Giants being on Sunday Night Football at home would give them a spark. And boy, was I wrong in that game. The Giants end up losing that one 40 to nothing on Sunday night. That was the worst shutout loss in Giants-Cowboys history with the two teams facing each other. It was the worst shutout loss ever. 40 to 0, the Giants lost in this game. In 1995, the Giants lost 35 to nothing to Dallas at one point. So this game was worse, 40 to nothing. That's the biggest shutout victory for Dallas in season openers and the worst season opening loss for the Giants in the franchise history. And obviously, it couldn't have come at a worse time considering we're playing Dallas in week one on Sunday Night Football, primetime TV. Everybody in the country is watching, and the Giants came up short, and not just short, the Giants didn't show up in this game. 40 to nothing, nobody showed up. I mean, there's not really many positives for the Giants in this game. Giants second-year linebacker Mikey McFadden, he looked pretty good in this game. He actually showed up to play and is making plays for the Giants defense. He had 11 tackles in that game against Dallas with a tackle for a loss as well. But besides that, not really many people on this Giants team showed up. And the Giants couldn't have started this game any worse. The Giants were down 16 to nothing after the first quarter, just like the Patriots were on Sunday as well. The Patriots were down 16 nothing to the Eagles after the first quarter as well. But there's a big difference here. The Patriots fought back and made it a game, ended up having a chance in the fourth quarter late in the game. Not the same for the Giants. The Giants just rolled over and just let themselves fall 40 to nothing in this game. The Giants' first drive was looking great. The Giants were moving the ball. Things were crisp. I was psyched with the way the offense was looking. And then things went downhill. A false start. Then a bad snap by John Michael Schmitz. And then Graham Gano comes out. The Giants, at first, were looking like they were going to get a touchdown on the first drive. But with the bad snap and the false start, the Giants said, okay, we'll just settle for a field goal. Graham Gano comes out, lines up. And his field goal is blocked and returned for a touchdown. So a promising first drive had a worst-case scenario turn of events for the Giants. That's a 10-point swing there. Rather than going up by three, you're down by seven. And that's a huge shift in momentum for Dallas. So then the Giants come back out, and the offense can't respond. It would have been nice to get a score, but the Giants end up hunting. The next drive for the Giants on offense is a pick six. A pass from Daniel Jones hits Saquon Barkley in the hands. He turns to go upfield, but he gets hit. The ball goes up in the air, and it is returned for a touchdown by Dallas, making it a 16-0 game. 16-0 game with two minutes and change left in the first quarter. So a blocked field goal return for a touchdown by Dallas, and then a pick six off the hands of Saquon Barkley. That's not Daniel Jones' fault there. Saquon Barkley gets hit, ball goes in the air, it's returned for a touchdown, but is an interception in the stat sheet. So if you look at the box score, you'll see Daniel Jones having two interceptions. That play was not Daniel Jones' fault. So it's a 16-0 game in the first quarter. In the first 13 minutes of the game, the Giants managed to allow a sack to Demarcus Lawrence and a sack to Micah Parsons, two guys that I said the Giants' offensive line has to be ready for. And there were already two turnovers by the Giants, one on special teams with the block field goal and the other one being a pick six off the hands of Saquon Barkley that turned into touchdowns. Two of those plays turned into touchdowns. And then you look at it, the Giants had very poor pass blocking protection in the first quarter, which it was honestly the whole entire night. But the first quarter... You could tell right away this wasn't going to be the Giants' night. After the first two or three drives and the way the Giants were looking on offense, the offensive line being as abysmal as they were in that start of the game, and the Giants obviously have no momentum, especially after those two touchdowns, you could just tell this wasn't going to be the Giants' night. Daniel Jones was under duress every single play. So then the Giants come back out for fourth drive. Nothing again. On third and two, there's a negative five-yard run by Daniel Jones. Got demolished by a couple Cowboys. Nothing he can do there. So the Giants end up having to punt there. And honestly, I would say this, and I said this to a few of my friends at the Giants fans, it looked like we were back to the Bobby Hunt, Eric Flowers days on the offensive line. Back to having Flowers and Hunt 
as the two tackles for the Giants. That's what we looked like out there. And honestly, I'd say this was more painful than the way the Giants looked back then. Because the Giants had different expectations in this game than they did back then in the Bobby Hunt, Eric Flowers days. Nobody really expected that much out of that offensive line. If the Giants' offensive line had a good game back then with those two guys, you were just thankful at the end of the day. In this game, though, against Dallas, I thought the Giants were going to win. And I expected the offensive line to show up, considering it was really just about the same offensive line as last season. They already gelled together last year, and the Giants had a lot of momentum after last year. Winning a playoff game, turning the franchise around, things were going in the Giants' favor after last year. But then they show up in this game and get blown up 40 to nothing. That's why this is more disappointing than the Eric Flowers and Bobby Hunt days. This was much worse than back then. So in the Giants' first four drives, the Giants allowed two sacks and three quarterback hits on Daniel Jones. And that wasn't going to be all for the rest of the night. Daniel Jones took an absolute beating in this game. He had no time to throw. And as I said, the Giants' offensive line looked as bad as it ever has. Probably the worst I've ever seen them look was in this game. Worse than the Giants' offensive line in the Dave Gettleman era, which is saying a lot because the Giants' offensive line at the end of Eli Manning's career was abysmal. And he had zero time to throw. But this offensive line somehow looked worse in this game against Dallas. Daniel Jones' first completion came with seven and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. And I'm not sure of any quarterback in the NFL that could have succeeded behind the Giants' offensive line in this game. I don't think any quarterback in the NFL could have done a thing with that offensive line. To even survive the game without getting hurt is a W for Daniel Jones. That's a win. Because DJ was taking a beating all game long by Dallas' pass rush. All game long. He had no time to throw and no chance to even look up fields before there were two unblocked pass rushes from the Dallas Cowboys in the backfield that were within arm's reach of him. Because that's what it was all game. There were two guys in the backfield before Daniel Jones could even look upfield. He'd catch the snap, and he was already running for his life. There was no quarterback in the NFL that could have put up numbers and succeeded behind that offensive line. It was just that poor that I don't think any quarterback in the NFL could have stayed back there and made plays. Daniel Jones had zero time to throw. So the Giants are down 26-0 at halftime, which this game was already over at that point. But I said, okay, it's 26-0. Let's come out of halftime. Let's try to get a score in our first drive, get some momentum, and let's see what happens. Because when it's 26-0, it is still a long ways to go. But if you put a good drive together on offense, have a good drive on defense, you're down 26-7 with the ball, let's say, hypothetically, and you have a chance to make it 26-14, which would obviously flip momentum. But that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case at all. The Giants were down 26-0, and the offense didn't look any better in the second half. In the first half, Dallas had four sacks, two turnovers forced, with two of them being interceptions, a field goal block for a touchdown, a missed field goal by Graham Gano, and a dropped pass by Jalen Hyatt with also three penalties by the Giants for 47 yards. What could have went wrong in this game went wrong. And honestly, it went wrong more than you could ever expect. When it rains, it pours, which is true here figuratively and literally in this game. When it rains, it pours because it was pouring in this game. I feel bad for the Giants fans that had to sit through it. But then also figuratively as well because Daniel Jones and the Giants had nothing going for them early in this game and honestly in this game overall. In the first half, I mean, it was sacks, turnovers, blocked field goals, missed field goals, dropped passes, penalties. Nothing could have went right for this Giants team in that game. In the first half, that's when you're supposed to come out and start the season on a high note. And the Giants just came out with a dud. Daniel Jones at half was nonstop pressured. By halftime, I mean, I was just happy Daniel Jones was able to stay healthy because he was taking a beating back there. By the time the snap could hit Daniel Jones' hands, he had no time to look upfield because at least one, usually two Cowboys pass rushes were already in his face unblocked. At halftime, Daniel Jones was 5-13 passing for 43 yards and two interceptions. Saquon Barkley at half, 
11 carries for 33 yards with two catches for seven yards in the air. And then Darren Waller was three catches for 36 yards at half. Dexter Lawrence was a bright spot for the Giants in the first half. He had two quarterback hits. But besides that, not much pressure at all by the Giants' defense. Although the Giants' offensive line was definitely more of a worry in this game than the defense was. The defense didn't look great when they were on the field, but the Giants' offensive line is the biggest worry in this team. The halftime shutout margin was the fourth most lopsided margin in Week 1 for a home team ever in NFL history. 26 to nothing was the fourth most lopsided game in Week 1 for a home team. The most lopsided shutout margin for a home team in Week 1 in NFL history. The Bucs were down 34 to nothing to the Eagles in 1988. The Rams were up on the Colts 27 to nothing at halftime in 1954. And then the other game, the Steelers were down 30 to nothing to the Browns in 1989. But that's honestly a bad look. At halftime, the Giants were down 26 to nothing, and that was the fourth most lopsided shutout margin in Week One for home team in NFL history. Think about that. So things didn't get any better for the Giants. Nothing got better for them in the second half. The Cowboys' pass rushes continued to generate heavy pressure on Daniel Jones. And then even when their backups went in and the Cowboys starters were sitting, they were still tearing up the Giants' offensive line. The Cowboys put their backups in at one point, and they were still generating pressure. All in all, the Cowboys' defense sacked Daniel Jones seven times with two interceptions, one of them being a pick six. There's a blocked field goal returned for a touchdown. They also forced three fumbles and allowed zero points. The Cowboys' defense purely dominated in this game. Seven sacks and 12 quarterback hits on Daniel Jones. Then you look at the rest of the offensive drives the Giants had. A blocked field goal, three forced fumbles, a pick six, seven sacks. But 12 quarterback hits on Daniel Jones. He was sacked or hit on 19 of the 35 passing plays he was in the game. Sacked or hit on 19 of the 35 passing plays that he was on the field. 54% of the time, Daniel Jones was hit on passing plays. And that's per Bobby Skinner of John Boy Media. And he also noted... That didn't include normal pressures or plays that Daniel Jones scrambled, which makes that even worse. Games like this are something that I'm accustomed to as a Giants fan. We're used to games like this, especially in primetime TV. The Giants never really do well in big games on primetime TV, so I don't even know why we get these primetime games because it really just never works out for the Giants, always the other team. But I never expected an outcome like this from this Giants team. Expectations of this team were much different then past Giants teams in years past that started out on primetime TV. The Giants have had their fair share of lopsided losses, especially during the Dave Gettleman era, but I've never seen a game like this. This was the lowest of lows for the Giants that I think I've ever seen. This was rock bottom being a Giants fan, considering the expectations for this team, where the Giants finished last season, Joe Shane and Brian Dable turning the season and the franchise around in just one year, turning the entire franchise around in just one season. So the expectations for this Giants team were a lot different than Giants teams in years past. And I'm going to stand by that statement that this was the lowest of lows for the Giants. Because looking back, I can't really remember a game as painful as a Giants fan in the last three or four seasons. Maybe last year's playoff loss to the Eagles, that was definitely a tough game to watch. But I think everybody knew going into that game that the Giants were underdogs and that it was an uphill battle against Philly. The Eagles were a much better team roster-wise, and obviously they were Super Bowl contender last season. The Giants weren't. But then if you look at that Giants game on Sunday night, I thought the Giants were going to win that game. The Eagles' playoff loss, nobody really gave the Giants a shot in that one. But in that game on Sunday night, I thought the Giants were going to win. But if you look at the pass rush that the Cowboys brought in that game, I mean, you just can't really expect to win that game with that much pressure being generated every single time that the Cowboys' defensive line is on the field. The Cowboys generated pressures on 62.2% of the 
of dropbacks during week one against the Giants. That's the fourth highest pressure rate in a game since 2019. And I saw online anywhere from 37 to 39 pressures that Daniel Jones had to face in that game on Sunday night. So credit to Micah Parsons, Osa Digizua, Dante Fowler. All three of those guys had six pressures apiece. Dorrance Armstrong had five pressures. And then Demarcus Lawrence had three. He's a guy that always plays well against the Giants. The Cowboys had eight players generate multiple pressures in this game. And Daniel Jones, according to a lot of the stats online, was pressured in 60% of his dropbacks in this game. 60% of the time that Daniel Jones dropped back, he was pressured, which is absolutely ridiculous. 60%. And he was pressured, as I said online, I saw 37 or 39 times in this game. No quarterback in the NFL could have done well behind that Giants offensive line. In the first half, Daniel Jones dropped back to throw 22 times. And he was pressured or sacked on 15 of those 22 dropbacks in the first half. No quarterback in the NFL could have succeeded and done well behind that Giants offensive line. Daniel Jones was set up a failure in that game. His second interception was definitely a bad decision by him. I'm not going to stick up for him on that play. But I think he was just trying to make something out of nothing on that play. That doesn't make it better. But he was scrambling, running for his life, trying to evade a few pass rushes. And with it being on first down, obviously it's a big mistake. But he was trying to make something out of nothing. He was running for his life, saw the Giants were down big, and he just tried to make a throw into tight coverage. And obviously it ends up getting picked. But it's really hard for a quarterback to be pressured that much. Daniel Jones was under pressure 66.7% of the game against the Cowboys. 40% of the time, if you're under pressure, that's an issue. 45% is awful. That's abysmal. Daniel Jones was under pressure 67% of this game against the Cowboys. It is impossible to succeed and perform with good numbers against that much pressure. And if you watch the game, you would know that Daniel Jones really had zero time to throw in this game. Because every single play, there were two guys already behind the line of scrimmage, already at arm's reach of him. And Daniel Jones just had to step up, take big hits, and just try to make plays. And obviously, it wasn't the best game for him. And he wasn't going to have big numbers considering the minimal time he had to throw every single play. The Giants, though, have been dominated by Dallas in recent years. So even though this 40 nothing loss is tough, Dallas has been beating us for a while. They've been beating us for a while. Dak Prescott, before this game, from 2017 to 2022, was 10-0 against the Giants, and he won yet again on Sunday night. The Giants have allowed 15 sacks in their last three games against Dallas. 15 sacks. And in those three games, the Giants don't even have one sack. Not even one sack for the Giants in those three games. Daniel Jones was sacked seven times in this game. That's the second most a Giants quarterback was sacked in a season opener since Phil Simms was sacked eight times in 1987. And as I said at the beginning, it was like we were back to the Bobby Hart and Eric Flowers days of tackle. To make matters worse, though, the Giants have lost five straight games to Dallas and have lost 12 of the last 13 meetings. So this was nothing new. Dallas has been dominating us for a while. The Cowboys are now 11-1 versus the Giants in-season openers. Hopefully next year the Giants don't play them. Last year the Giants played Tennessee in Week 1 and we got a win. Hopefully the Giants do not begin their season next year against Dallas. For one, it's boring to watch considering it's the same every single year. But then, as a Giants fan, and from that perspective, we always lose to Dallas in season openers. Besides 2016, when Victor Cruz had a big touchdown in his return from the Patella tendon injury, that was about it for the Giants. The Giants won that game in 2016, but the Giants have had no luck against Dallas since then. Dallas became the first team since 1999 when the Pittsburgh Steelers opened up the season with a 40-plus point shutout win. They became the first team since 1999 to open up the season 
with the 40-plus point shutout win. That was the fourth largest shutout victory in NFL history to begin a season. So obviously a historic loss for the Giants here, losing 40 to nothing. But the best thing and the most positive thing that you could take away from this game is this. Despite how poor the Giants looked all night in that game on Sunday night, a loss is a loss at the end of the day, whether you lose by one or you lose by 100. A loss is a loss, and it counts as just one game. For example here, the Chargers lost in a shootout match with the Miami Dolphins where either team could have won that game, and you wouldn't have been mad considering it was a great game to watch in the game of the week like I predicted it would be. But the Chargers start out the season 0-1 just like the Giants. Even though the Chargers looked great on offense, they were scoring at will in a high-scoring game, they are 0-1 just like the Giants. As are the Kansas City Chiefs. They're 0-1 as well. And obviously all three teams that I've listed there, Giants, Chiefs, and the Chargers, all have very different circumstances. But the reality is this. Week one comes as just one game. Week one turns into week two. That's when you have to keep building and figure things out. There's obviously a lot to build on here for the Giants and a lot to figure out. There are still 23 weeks until the Super Bowl. And there's no Super Bowl champion yet. Nobody wins a Super Bowl in week one. And as Joe Burrow said, week one doesn't define you or your season. But at the end of the day, you do still want to win and begin the season with a huge win in week one. So that doesn't mean come out and lose week one and not worry. You obviously still want to win week one always. But it doesn't define your season. And in this game for the Giants, whatever could go wrong did go wrong. But that's life, honestly. When it rains, it pours in life. That's just how it goes. That's just how it goes. The biggest play of the game for the Giants ended up being a 22-yard pass from Daniel Jones to Isaiah Hodgins. And on that play, Hodgins gets caught from behind by Trayvon Diggs, who ends up stripping the ball from him, and it ends up being a fumble recovery for Dallas. That's just proof that the Giants had no luck in this game. The Giants also had a missed field goal by Graham Gano when he was basically automatic the last couple seasons for the Giants. They had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. They allowed seven sacks. Had two interceptions thrown, one of them being a pick six off of Saquon Barkley's hands, and they scored zero points. What could have went wrong in this game did go wrong for the Giants. And an interesting stat I saw online from The Athletic is that no team in a single season has lost a game 40 to nothing or worse, lost the sack battle in a game 7 to nothing or worse, lost the turnover battle in an individual game 3 to nothing or worse, had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. And through a pick six, no team in NFL history has done all five of those things in the same season. The Giants did that all in one single game. So that's obviously proof that things could just not go any worse for the Giants in this game. Nothing could have gone worse for the Giants. And if you look at the Cowboys offense, they didn't really have to do much to win this game. The Giants handed the defense and special teams for Dallas two touchdowns in the first quarter. So you really didn't need much from Dak Prescott in this game to get a win. But now it brings up the question this. Where do the Giants go from here? Luckily, I'm not sure there's any way you can start a season worse. So it's really only up from here for the Giants. The beauty of football is this. After week one, 16 teams are 0-1 and 16 teams are 1-0. And obviously, there's sometimes a rare tie. But most of the time, it's 0-1 or 1-0 for 16 teams and 16 teams, respectively. And the way I see it is this. We wait all winter, spring, and summer for the return of football. Why give up hope for an entire season after just one game? I know a lot of Giants fans are down, and there's obviously a lot of issues for this Giants team. We still got a lot to fix. I understand this was an abysmal and devastating loss, especially on primetime TV. But there are still 16 more games to go, 64 more quarters of football to get back on track. So there's still some time to bounce back for the Giants. I'm not losing all hope. Go to Arizona. 
on Sunday and win this game. That's how we can get back on track. One of my biggest worries for this Giants team, the offensive line, obviously, which I've mentioned it now a million times. Evan Neal looked awful at right tackle for the Giants. Against Cowboys backups, even, he was still struggling, which is a big worry. Now a second-year tackle, the Giants needed him to progress and take a big step up. People already labeling him as a bust. I wouldn't say he's a bust just yet, but if this were to continue for another, let's say, six, seven, maybe eight games, then he'd be in bust territory. But considering Andrew Thomas struggled his rookie year and then really made great strides from year one to year two, then to year three, I still hold out a little bit of hope here for Evan Neal. Maybe he becomes a god, and that's a big thing that can help him get back on track. That was obviously huge Eric Flowers and making his career longer than it was going to be a tackle. He becomes a god, and he ends up being a little bit more productive than he was a tackle and more successful. So we'll see what happens with Evan Neal. Andrew Thomas's hamstring injury, that's obviously a worry as well. He heard it on the pick six trying to make a tackle, and wasn't 100% for the rest of the game, but played through it. That's obviously a worry. I'd imagine the Giants will sit him on Sunday against Arizona and then get him ready for next Thursday night against San Francisco. Because if he plays Sunday versus Arizona, he's probably not going to play next Thursday as well against San Francisco. So I'd imagine he sits this game and gets ready for next Thursday night. Another worry for the Giants here is that in their last two games, they've been outscored 78-7. to 78-7 in the last two games. With the playoff loss to Philly being the last game of last season, and then Sunday night's loss to Dallas. 78-7, the Giants are outscored in their last two games. They need to find a way to get back on track and get a win this weekend. Even if it's against a tanking team like Arizona, a win's a win. Brian Dable and the Giants have a lot to figure out, but as I've said now multiple times, week one turns into week two. There's still a lot of time to improve, and nobody's a Super Bowl champion yet. Everybody in the NFL has something to work on at this point. But the Giants' offensive line has to respond and get better this week because that could sink this season quicker than it even started. The Giants' offensive line in that game was just abysmal. Andrew Thomas allowed three pressures. Ben Bredesen allowed two pressures. John Michael Schmitz, rookie center, allowed three pressures and also had a bad snap that ended up leading to that blocked field goal return for a touchdown. Mark Lewinsky allowed nine pressures as the right guard and also three sacks. And then Evan Neal at right tackle allowed nine pressures and a sack as well. So the right side between Glinsky and Neal allowed 18 pressures and four sacks. That is just unheard of. Unheard of. And then for the Giants' defense, they need to get pressure. The Giants' defense wasn't the biggest deal in this game. We wouldn't have won this game even if the Giants' defense played lights out, considering the offense couldn't score and we gifted Dallas two touchdowns in the first quarter. But the defense needs to get more pressure. No sacks in the last three games against Dallas. And in this game, besides Dixon Lawrence... Nobody really generated any pressure for that Giants defense. Dexter Lawrence had two quarterback hits and two pressures. But then the other three big pass rushes of the Giants, Kayvon Thibodeau, Leonard Williams, and Aziz Ojolari, all three of those players had zero pressures combined. Zero pressures between Thibodeau, Williams, and Ojolari. That can't happen. You need those guys to step up. And then one other thing I want to see in this game for the Giants against Arizona, I want to see them let Daniel Jones Air it out. Give him time to throw and let him find ways to pick the defense apart because that's what he was good at last season and the Giants need to give him time to throw. The last nine games for Daniel Jones following a loss, he has a 7-1-1 record, seven wins, one loss, and a tie with a 70% completion percentage, nine passing touchdowns to no interceptions, a 100.5 passer rating, and four rushing touchdowns. He has responded in every single game following a loss. The Giants need him to respond in this game on Sunday against Arizona. 
And there's two clips I want to play you now from Micah Parsons, Cowboys linebacker, that I want to give my thoughts on. Give me one second and you'll hear it here in just one minute. Here's the first clip with Micah Parsons talking about the Giants leaving Daniel Jones in the game with backup offensive linemen protecting him in a 40 to nothing blowout in the fourth quarter. Here is Micah Parsons giving his thoughts on that situation. It's called protecting your guy. You know, something I thought the Giants should have done. I don't think Jay Jones should have been in that game in the fourth quarter. I thought they should have protected him and pulled him out. And barring injury, their season would be over without Daniel Jones. The Bengals did the smart decision by pulling Joe Burrow, saying, hey, we, we, we're going to submit, we're going to take our loss, and we're going to move on the next week and get better. That's the best thing you can do. I do not agree with Daniel Jones staying out there into that last drive. That was I thought that was wrong. I thought it was deceiving. That's your franchise quarterback, and he's out there with the backup offensive line, still getting sacked and hit. I, I just didn't understand. Maybe it was a, you know, prove it moment by the Giants. I have no idea. A learning lesson. Who knows? But I thought Daniel Jones should have got pulled out. So it technically is not benching. So there was Micah Parsons on the Edge, which is his podcast for Bleach Report. There was his thoughts on Daniel Jones staying in the game in a forty to nothing blowout. And I hear what he's saying. It is very risky leaving Daniel Jones in a 40 nothing game, especially with backup offensive linemen, and especially with the beating he took all night. Why leave him in and try to get him hurt? I think Daniel Jones stayed in because he wanted to see if he could get something going momentum-wise on offense, see if the Giants could get one good offensive drive and bring that into next week against Arizona. And obviously that wasn't the case, and it was a big risk. He could have got hurt in that game. But Daniel Jones is as tough as they come. But I do hear Micah Parsons there. I do hear him. Daniel Jones was getting hit all night. Why leave him in the game in a 40 nothing blowout? And I think it's because Daniel Jones wanted to find some momentum. But there is a big risk in doing that, where he could have ended his season with an injury. Parsons is right about that. It is very risky. But Daniel Jones is as tough as they come. He doesn't get enough credit for being as tough as he is. He's one of the toughest quarterbacks and players in the NFL, especially you see the beating he took last week and all last season. He was getting hit hard all last season, but the Giants are winning games, so nobody really talked about the offensive line. But now with that big loss in Sunday Night Football, People see again that the Giants' offensive line isn't good, and it wasn't really good last year, but Daniel Jones made it work. He made it work last year. But this offensive line, as I said, looks like it could be rock bottom. And if they don't figure it out, the Giants' season could be sinking. But there's still a long way to go. 16 games to get back on track. Hopefully the Giants' offense and their offensive line can figure it out. Because Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Darren Waller, Paris Campbell, Darius Slayton, Wondell Robinson, these guys can be special together. Jalen Hyatt as well. This offense can be special. But the offensive line has to figure it out because Daniel Jones cannot do it on his own. No quarterback in the NFL could take those hits that Daniel Jones was taking and still find a way to be productive on offense. No quarterback in the NFL. People bring up Daniel Jones' big contract. Four years, $160 million, He did get paid, but that's just the market for quarterbacks in today's day in the NFL. But Daniel Jones can't protect himself out there. He can't be playing left tackle and right guard at the same time while playing quarterback. He needs help from that offensive line. And if you didn't watch the game on Sunday night, you'd look at the box score and think Daniel Jones was the issue. Daniel Jones was not the problem in this game. He was not the problem. No quarterback in the NFL could have survived there and made plays. None. Not even one. The Cowboys have a great pass rush, and then you add in the Giants' offensive line looking as bad as they did in that game. No quarterback could have succeeded. So here's Micah Parsons giving his thoughts on people saying Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. Daniel Jones is not a bad quarterback. I know, I know, I know. Some of you may think that he is a bad quarterback and why resign him? You have to remember. Dave Jones just went against top three 
defensive uh, teams in the league. Um, they're still learning to gel together. They're still he he's still learning how to be the guy. It's only his second year with Brian DeBowell, so he gets he gets grace. I think I don't think I think nowadays we don't give the same grace as we do with guys like Peyton Manning when they came into the league. And for one thing, Parsons is right about that. Quarterbacks in today's day have to turn things around and show promise in the first two years because otherwise they typically are moved on from. And the same goes to general managers, coaches. People want to see progress and want to see a vision for the future. If they don't see that in the first year, two, maybe the third year you get, after that, you're gone. But here for Daniel Jones, people are still criticizing him in the contract he got. But last season, he proved he can win. And I always believed in Daniel Jones. This is coming from someone that believed in Daniel Jones since day one. I went through the ups. I went through the downs. And I stayed with Daniel Jones every step of the way because I always saw the vision and the promise in this kid and the talent. He didn't have anything around him. And John Mara was right a couple years ago when he said that we did everything we could to fill this kid. He's absolutely right. Daniel Jones had no help around him, whether it was offensive line, whether it was coaching, whether it was the offensive coordinator position. Before last season, when Brian Dable, Joe Shane, and Mike Kafka stepped in as the general manager, offensive coordinator, and the head coach, Daniel Jones didn't really have much help around him in any of those three positions. Didn't at all. But then last year, gets those three guys, and you see how good Daniel Jones could be. Daniel Jones is not the problem for this Giants team. I'm staying with them and believe it. Daniel Jones is going to turn things around. And when he does turn things around in this season, stay on that side. Remember what you're saying about Daniel Jones now because he proved people wrong last season. He proved people wrong over the last three or four years. I can name you a million analysts, whether it's ESPN, Fox Sports 1, that said Daniel Jones is a bust. He's not a good quarterback. He doesn't belong in the NFL. He's not a starter. All of those people that said that about Daniel Jones, whether it was Stephen A. Smith, Dominique Foxworth, Dan Olofsky, Colin Coward, they were all wrong. Because Daniel Jones proved last season that he can be a winning quarterback. And I always knew he could be. That never faulted for me, and I'm not going to give up now on Daniel Jones. It's one game. There are still 16 more to go. Let's get back on track and get a win on Sunday. In my next episode, I'm going to give a recap of every single game from week one in the NFL season. And then probably in my episode on Saturday, I'll give a look into every single game in week two. I'll give you guys my full pick like I did last week. Give you guys some score predictions and who I think will win each of the matchups in week two. So as I said, I'm going to give a recap of every single game in week one. That'll be in just a few minutes. I'm going to do that. I'll give you a preview of tonight's Thursday Night Football game. And then in my episode on Saturday, I'll probably touch on every game for this coming weekend on Sunday and Monday night and give you guys my thoughts on who I think is going to win each of those matchups. So anyways, that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.